0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land.
1: Thanks for stopping by, Robert, with my co-host for the last five and a half years and my friend for more than three decades, R.G. Seal. And in this show, we're going to focus on the Rockets, remind everybody who the best basketball team is in Houston right now, and quick hit, might not be James Harden's team. And later on, you'll hear what I believe is one of the more Memorable speeches by a Houston athlete in case you missed it last week. And trust me, you don't want to miss this speech. We'll come back tomorrow with uh, an Astros focus podcast in honor of pitchers and catchers reporting. But RG, a few days ago, Lockdown Rockets host Ben Bose helped us break down the Rockets moves at the trade deadline. I had got your thoughts on the Shumpert acquisition and the sad end of the Brandon Knight, Marquise Chris and James Ennis era. I know you're devastated. What, what was your reaction?
2: Yeah, I know you were too. Gosh, I mean, you couldn't just stop all season long talking about how you were so excited to see Brandon Knight come back. And when was he going to make his debut? And then when he finally got in the lineup and how excited you were and watching James Ennis all season long. I mean, I know I know how you are. What do you think of the Shumpert? You like him? I do like Shumpert. I mean, he's a he's a good defender. And, you know, his three point shooting percentage is roughly around 35%. So, you know, over his career, correct. I don't have the exact statistics with me, but, you know, so he, he's somebody that is, has actually improved his shot over the years. And he also is, is somebody that's a, a really good defender. And that, in fact, that's one of the things that James Harden mentioned. And this has been one of the guys who's, you know, been tougher on me over the course of his career. So I'm glad to have him on my side. Chris Paul kind of echoed those comments. So to me, you know the Rockets—they've—they've they've needed the three and D guys uh, to add another one to the team. And like you said, James Ennis really hadn't been that effective. I kind of liked how when you were on with Ben, how I, how, how you said that you know he has all the athleticism, he has the tools. Like her old favorite Joel Bushbaum line: "Looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane." You know, I mean, it was like one of those things when when you saw him on there, you look at him and you say, "Wow, this is a perfect guy to come in, be kind of the Reza replacement or the uh, Mabuamute." M- M- and he just never just never flourished that way. And that's why he's been a journeyman in the NBA to this point. You know, maybe he'll be effective with, with Philadelphia because with the Rockets, he was looked upon for a bigger role. He was coming in, replace, uh, you know, Trevor Ariza, replace the Luke Muta. And especially after Carmelo Anthony went down, and, you know, the Rockets basically said goodbye to him. It was, hey, James Ennis is a big acquisition in the offseason. Just never really materialized. And But now going to the Sixers, uh, you know, they acquired Tobias Harris. They have a great starting lineup. You know, he's not going to be – he's has been coming off the bench. He's going to be utilizing certain spots. And perhaps he can be effective, you know, just going back to playing maybe 10, 15 minutes a game for the Philadelphia 76ers. I think from now on
1: you're allowed to just call him Luke instead of uh... – bamute I feel like you're about to swallow a you're swallowing a sword or something like that <laughs> when you're trying to pronounce his name and but yeah I, I I didn't like him when he was playing 15 minutes with the rockets so good luck with the sixers but I, you know one thing I, I got to say about the sixers rg after all the pieces fell into place and everything worked out around the NBA at the trade deadline you look at what the sixers have right now and I loved it then everybody's like oh they gave up too much for you know Tobias Harris but Jeez, I mean, look at that starting five. I mean, you got Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris to go along with Embiid and Ben Simmons and Reddick. You've got, you know, everybody said, well, how are they going to work at the end of the games or whatever? I mean, come on. You got five all-star or close to all-star caliber players. I mean, maybe Reddick's not an all-star or Tobias Harris, but uh, of course, in the Eastern Conference, I mean, I don't know. But uh, I mean, those guys are, it's such a talented group and they still have a pretty decent bench. I mean, I I love Boba and he he's, you know, you saw him with the Clippers and and he's always fun to watch and and he does nice things in his limited amount of playing time. But you know, Mike Scott, uh, I'm not a fan of Ennis, but they still got TJ McConnell. So they got, they got guys, but when you've got five guys that good, you know, that's your bench because when you take a couple guys out, you leave in, you know, two or three all-stars still. And then when, You take out those guys, then you can bring the other, you just rotate them in and out. You've always got two or three, or at least three really good offensive players on the floor at all times.
2: I mean, they're really good. The Sixers are. I mean, they're definitely going to be a factor in the the East, like you said, with their starting lineup. You got Joel Embiid, who's already, I mean, look, this guy's, you know, far and away the best center in the game right now. And, uh, you know, he just has all the skill set. And then you have, you know, it, his big question is, of course, staying healthy. And you have Ben Simmons who can't shoot, so that's his liability, but he can do everything else and he is a scorer. And, and then you have, like you said, you got a shooter like J.J. Redick, you had got to, Tobias Harris to, along with Jimmy Butler. Uh, both of those guys are free agents at the end of the season, but the, the Sixers are in it to win it right now. Are, are they the, your favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference at this point? You know, I still really like Milwaukee and they have, you know, I mean, I, I, and I like what Toronto did getting Gasol there with Kawhi Leonard. And, you know, he's been in and out of the lineup a little bit, you know, with Toronto there, it's tough for me to say, oh, automatically Philadelphia, because, you know, Philadelphia, you know, they basically, they, they've added to this and the chem- chemistry, but, you know, again, it it's, if completely healthy, I mean, Philadelphia is going to be a tough out there. But how can you disre- disrespect what the Milwaukee Bucks have done with Giannis, who's playing MVP level this season, and the team around him? And, you know, one of the underrated kind of deadline deals was for, you know, Nikola Miracic there that, you know, came over for, for Milwaukee. Plus, you know, they've got like Chris Middleton. They've got some really good pieces surrounding Giannis, and, and they're well coached. So and and, and if they're the number one overall seed, I mean, to me, I mean, the East is going to be those top four teams when you have right, when you have, uh, you know, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philadelphia and Boston. You know, right now, Boston seems to be a team that's it's on the downside. But but, you know, come playoff time, everybody thought that last season on Brad Stevens, he's, you know, overwhelmed here. He doesn't have his best player in Kyrie Irving and he was able to pull out the magic there. So. You know, I I don't know. The East is to me, those top four teams, they're all really, really good. But, you know, I mean, if if they live up to the billing, if Philadelphia lives up to the billing with all the all stars you mentioned, I mean, they'd have to be there. But I I still am not ready to push, you know, what Milwaukee's done up to this point this season to, to push them out of the picture there. And don't forget about Toronto either.
1: Yeah, we could say all we want to about the Rockets, and I, I know there's some people. Oh, the Thunder look good in the West. You know, here's the deal: uh, Golden State's the best team in the NBA, as we all know. But if you look at the West, you can talk about well, they're deep. You know, the teams at the bottom, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, they're better than the Eastern conferences, uh, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But if you look at the top of the East, I mean, basically, after Golden State. I mean, you could make an argument that the next four best teams in the NBA, RG, are are out East, including Boston. Boston's playing well. Nobody's talking about it because, you know, the Kyrie is, you know, Kyrie's making a noise and, you know, griping and moaning and stuff like that. But if you look at what Boston's done the last couple of months and you look at their record and they still got a ton of talent and a ton of depth and you mentioned Toronto and I agree with you, Milwaukee. Uh, To me, they're probably the second best team in the East, I would say, uh, to Philadelphia. But that doesn't mean they couldn't beat Philadelphia. But talent-wise, I think maybe they're number two. But they're so long, like we saw. You know, we talked about that a little bit with Ben. But they're just, you know, I I said how long they are because you got Brooke Lopez out there. And he's great. He could shoot threes. I wish the Rockets would have grabbed Brooke Lopez in the offseason. I thought that would have been a better pickup than some of the crap pickups that Daryl did over the offseason. But you look at... Uh, they've just got really good players. And when they bring guys off the bench, they're really good. And they complement, you know, they they built a team like the Rockets. They've got guys that complement each other. I mean, do you agree is the, the Eastern Conference is the next four, th- four best teams after Golden State in the East right now?
2: Yeah, although I want to discount o- Oklahoma St- uh, City, what, what they've done, too, because uh, Paul George is, uh, again, having an MVP-type season. Russell Westbrook with his triple-double streak, uh, you know, is – kind of garnering that excitement. Again, it was like that MVP race a couple of years ago between, and you have to throw Giannis in there too. But, uh, you know, with uh Russell versus uh the Beard here, you know, with their, their respective kind of like uh, showmanship on each end. And, you know, right now with James Harden having his 30 for 30 streak uh, as we're recording this, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of amazing to watch. But to me, that's that Oklahoma City, they play really good defense. Uh You know, they can score. Uh, you know, so they and they they are it's just always you wonder, like, are they going to do the things at the end of the game? Are they going to have brain cramp? Anytime you have a Russell Westbrook led team, uh, you kind of wonder about that. But I, I would agree with you, though, that I mean, it's more top heavy. I mean, after the Golden State, we are, uh, having won three or four championships. They're they're the best team clearly in the NBA. They're the gold standard. But, you know, the teams that most likely to challenge them or give them, you know, a, well, a tough matchup. Yeah,
1: let, let's talk. Well, I mean, while we're talking about Oklahoma City, I mean, we got to talk about what happened with the Rockets in Oklahoma City yeah. this week and blowing a twenty-six point lead. And I mean, people could get excited about Oklahoma City, but I watched that game and I thought, man, the Rockets when they were putting forth effort, when they were trying, when they were focused in the first half, they looked like a far better team. And it took even to win that game, a close game. Paul George. Hitting every single shot, and I get it, Paul George, MVP level player this year. But in that game, it was ridiculous. He couldn't miss a three point shot. I mean, he's a really good three point shooter, but he's not that good. And he was making tough shots. The Rockets uh, had a lot of times hands in his face, and he was, you know, he was making some difficult shots. And it's one of the big frustrations about. I mean, I, I want to get to this, RG. It's one of my big frustrations about Houston this year is that uh, you know the Oklahoma City game reminded everybody that this Rockets team. It's, it's been about a lack of focus. It's a lack of focus um, from Daryl Morey in the offseason with the odd roster additions that I don't think fit the Rocket system. It was lack of focus with their defense early in the season that just wasn't there, didn't show up. There's a lack of focus against the Cavs and a loss there, a depleted Pelicans team where they lost, You know the Wizards, the Nets, the Heat, the Magic. These are teams that you can't screw up these games if you expect to get home... Court advantage And make it a little bit easier for yourself to, you know, do something in the playoffs this year. Because, I mean, we can all point back to RG that when they were the sixth seed, you know, back with Dream, but that was a team that had gone to the championship. It was a team that had at least some championship pedigree. And, you know, th- that was a different era where you didn't have Golden State to worry about right
2: in front of you. You knew you were going to have to play them eventually. Do do I have to back you off the ledge again? Because, I mean, again, it's it's kind of like uh, you're at the precipice here. And, I I mean, I agree with you. They have been inconsistent this season. They dug themselves a hole early at 11 and 14. But then again, I mean – and and they shouldn't have lost that game to Oklahoma City. But sometimes, you know, I mean, it happens in the NBA. We've seen it with the Rockets where they come back from huge deficits. And, I mean, it happened. you just saying Boston's one of the best teams. I mean, a couple of games in a row last week where they blew big leads. Uh, you know, so I mean, it can happen in the NBA. It, it, it's just you have really tall, you go through shooting slumps, that happens, and it's a day to day of the regular season. Let's look big picture now. Let's just look at that. And what the Rockets haven't had, they haven't had the last month, and I mean, you mentioned this when he went out, is Clint Capello. Who's the Rockets' second best player now? It's not Chris Paul. You know, he still had it to be determined if he can get back to that superstar level. It's Clint Capella. He helps as being a rim protector. He's the fortifier on defense. So, I mean, a lot of times when I was watching that game, you know, when Paul George or Russell Westbrook can go to the – they don't have the rim protector. They don't have the guy getting those rebounds that they usually do, blocking shots, contesting in the middle. It's a huge loss for the Rockets not to have him. So certain matchups are not going to be as good or as favorable for the, for the Rockets, especially with a, a big guy like Steven Adams down there who on the opposite end can do that with the, with the Rockets and get rebounds and be physical. I mean Kenneth Farid and Nene, they do a nice job, I mean, but they aren't Clint Capella. This is a, a, an all-star type cast.
1: Yeah. And a great stat also on Capella, just speaking to what you're talking about. Prior to the Mavs game on Monday, uh, this was brought up on Twitter. I thought it was really interesting. The the Rockets had been out-rebounded in 12 of the 13 games without Clint Capella by an average, not just out-rebounded, by an average of 9.2 rebounds per game. The Rockets were only out-rebounded by 1.2 rebounds per game over the 42 games
2: uh, this season with Capella in the lineup. So that just highlights exactly what i am talking about. So, I mean, a, a couple of things just to, just to add on there. It's just that, so, yeah, so getting, when Clint Capella comes back, plus we haven't seen Chris Paul really, and I know it's always a thing, will Chris Paul be healthy? I mean, that's always the big question mark that's around the team. I mean, you know, the, the, the guys, you know, it seems to always have some kind of injury right around the corner. But, I mean, if he can get back, if he can get back into shape, if he can be that Chris Paul You know, where he gets some game time under him, not even saying superstar level, but just back to being a a good player, functional with the the Rockets, where he gets his his legs back under him. And and he's shown that in the past few games. He just needs more of extended stretch of of playing time, games consecutively together, and then lessen the burden a little bit on Harden here, even though he's having this phenomenal streak. You get those three big three back. And you put the pieces around them, which Rockets have started to do by getting an Austin Rivers, uh, you know, by getting uh, Kenneth Fareed, these guys that have come in, you know, and 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 now even Iman Schumpert. I mean, this could be a different team, and 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 they've even been talking about they're they're going after Marquise Morris, uh, who's also a buyout uh, candidate. So uh, I think he has been bought out. So he'll he'll be evaluating different options, and the Rockets are among the team teams interested. But I I just think that. You know, before you kind of write the epitaph on the Rockets or say they're not going to be a legitimate contender or do something, you know, I, I still think by the time the playoffs roll around, like Chris Paul said earlier this season, you aren't going to want to face us in a seven game series. Again, if healthy, I mean, the Rockets are going to be, I think, a dangerous. I, I mean, obviously, Golden State in the Western Conference would be you know that's who you don't want to face until the western conference finals and they're the best team but i mean i think the rockets are completely healthy i don't i don't you know going up against denver they can beat denver in a 7 game series like you said against oklahoma city you know they haven't faced them you know with you know with their full you know roster here lately you know with clint capella that's a team i know they've beaten them in the regular season but they can beat them in the playoffs so i mean you just look at the different matchups and the Rockets, in a seven-game series, I would still favor the Rockets in a lot of these. So it's just a matter of getting healthy. Markeith Morris,
1: that's a good one that you brought up because he's going to be pursued by a number of teams. But yeah, the Rockets, I think, would like him. I think he helps you to take some minutes off of P.J. Tucker, who's playing far too many minutes. He's played far too many mi- minutes this season. Uh, and And that's the problem because early in the season, his three-point shot was fantastic. He was up words of 40% and it just gets worse and worse. And he's just missing wide open shot after wide open shot. And that's just lack of legs after all of the work that he's done. I mean, it's been James Harden out there doing, you know, everything he's done in this extraordinary, but also you got to credit PJ Tucker and you got to be excited by Kenneth Fareed and what he's been able to to bring you because when Capella comes back now, you can sit Capella for 14 minutes and feel comfortable with Farid out there. It's not a disaster. Uh, so, so that's going to be a big deal. I would still, RG, like I told you know Ben, I would still love to see Daniel House get back because the big thing with Daniel House is as good as Schumpert has been defensively, and, and I'm going to just throw this stat out there because it's just two games, but small sample size, but here's the Houston Rockets – Defensive rating in Amon Shumpert's first two games with Shumpert. It's 97.2 points per 100 possessions without Shumpert. 117.8 points. It's a 20-point difference per 100 possession with Shumpert on and off the court. And he's got significant playing time in his first couple of games against OKC and the Mavs as we're recording this. So, uh, you know, that's a major, major thing. But, yeah, Capella now can rest with Fareed coming back for... 14 minutes or 16 minutes in a game because you just can't count on Nene. And, you know, he's old. He can't play in back to back. So, you know, that's going to be a big thing down the stretch is to be able to rest Clint Capella. But the big thing is that Daniel House coming back because as much as I love Schumpert and as much as I love Gerald Green, Daniel House is really a perfect combination of those two guys because he can do a lot offensively. He was shooting, he was like extraordinary from three, he was close to 40%. Um, I think the potential for him offensively is way off the charts compared to Amon Schumpert. Amon Schumpert, obviously a veteran, he's going to be better defensively at this point. But Daniel House was playing fantastic defensively. And we heard Mike D'Antoni talking about Gerald Green is as good as he's been offensively. He still says, Hey, if, if he could just play defense, Archie, I could leave him on the court. I just can't right now. I, I want to play him more minutes, but I can't because he's not good enough defensively and
2: rebounding the basketball. Well, again, that's why the Rockets went and got him on Schumper, because this is a guy who is de- a good defensive player. And and speaking to Daniel Howes, yeah, I mean, he was great with the Rockets when he was there earlier this season. But as we've seen, I mean, you can fall out of favor in a rotation, too. We don't know if they're going to sign him to an NBA contract. I would think, you know, before the playoff becomes necessary, there could be some kind of resolution there. Because if he just comes back up at the end of the season when he is eligible to and he doesn't have the NBA contract. Well, then he's not eligible for the playoffs. And so, what's what's the point at that at, at that time? And the Rockets. I mean, we've discussed this before. They've had the standoff because they've offered him the multi-year contract. His agent, you know, and Daniel House don't want that. Uh, you know, they want the the NBA contract for the season and to be a restricted free agent this offseason. The Rockets are afraid of losing him after they've developed him. So. It's all of that comes into play. Will they just finally say, like you've said, you know, hey, you can go out and get three and D guys. They can dra- get another guy like Daniel House next season. The Rockets haven't want to do that to this point. They still want to They still look at him as part of their future plans. But for this season, they just haven't come to a, to a resolution on that yet. Don't know if it will happen. And even if it does, I'm just not sure with, you know, once you get. Capella back and now Chris Paul's back. I mean, even though they play different positions and stuff like that, when you have like Schumpert and like you said, Gerald Green and, uh, you know, Eric Gordon and these guys playing, you know, you only have so many minutes in a game. Daniel House, you know, he was playing a significant amount of minutes and he was contributing. Uh, You don't know if he'll get back into the rotation, how many minutes he'll play, where he'll be utilized. I mean, that's all up in the air.
1: Yeah. Well, somebody will get hurt. You know, Eric Gordon or Chris Paul, we know are probably going to get hurt again and you're
2: going to need... Daniel House, and you might need him in the playoffs. You might, but it's also that, you know, same thing happened. Remember, you were uh, at the very beginning of the season, Gary Clark. Oh, my gosh, this guy, is a, a godsend for the Rockets. He's awesome. He's great. And where is he lately? I mean, he's a rookie you know, he'll improve in the off season and the Rockets have him to a multi-year contract, but he's not playing anymore. And he was a, uh, you know, a guy at the very beginning of the season. A lot of people figured, man, this guy is a lifesaver for the Rockets. So, I mean, it's like Gary, I mean, again, Daniel House took this gamble. He and his agent took this gamble. He was starting. He was part of the rotation. He's gone down to the G League. So when he comes back up, there's just no guarantees, even if like a injury or something. I mean, they might, you know, decide to play, like you said, shoot. Schumpert, Green, you know, whatever, you know, and and just not, you know, give him minimal minutes, or they might give him a lot of. Minutes. I don't know, but it's still, it's not a certainty as it was when he was playing every single day. That's why, you know, you also you, you can blame the Rockets for this, and it's like, well, they should just sign him to an NBA cut. But you can also blame the agent and the player too. So I think all sides on this are at
1: fault. But I get it from both sides. I mean, I certainly understand right. where. Each side is coming from on this and maybe
2: that's not the right wording to say they're both at fault they both have we understand their opinions or views on this it's just that's what it is
1: all right uh i I don't have anything more on the rockets did you have anything more on them or the nba i
2: had a little bit on the nba i mean i was just curious for you know everything leading up to the trading deadline was you know anthony davis is going to get dealt in the lakers and putting up all these different pieces and eventually that just didn't happen so where do you think now anthony davis do you think he gets dealt in the offseason, you know, kind of in the Lakers from this point out in, in the season. I mean, to me, there's still a wild card because now that LeBron's back and you can see now that even though he said, oh, I could trade the whole team, right, <laughs> you know, for, for getting Anthony Davis, you know, I'd be sure he'd sign off on that. But now you can see after the trade deadline, it was a much different team that showed up, you know, and, and uh, played against Philadelphia, even though they finally lost it at the end there. But, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma had a big scoring effort for the Lakers and LeBron's back. So, I mean, that when we were talking about the Western Conference earlier, that's a team that you just probably don't want to see come playoff time because the Lakers are going to be, you know, if they can get into the playoffs, which I think that they will, if LeBron is there, LeBron, we know, I mean, this guy is one of the greatest players of all time and he he, he ups his game in the postseason. And if the young players continue to evolve, and get better, which it looks like with a Kyle Kuzma getting better and stuff like that. So I'm just curious for your thoughts also on Anthony Davis and where you think he might end up. Because I I assume, I mean, look, New Orleans is playing him too, right? (laughs) Which they're having to. And even if the game is, uh, you know, late in the fourth quarter, as we saw uh, when he played that one game where he had 25 points and sat the whole fourth quarter, I mean they're they're having to play him by NBA mandate but they're going to be they're going to be trading in this offseason cuz he wants out of there. Where do you think that he might end up? I mean Boston, LA, New York seem like the three obvious ones
1: but you know just when you think you know something in the NBA somebody steps up that you're just not expecting and you you know they throw the kitchen sink and, and they've got the assets uh, you know to me somebody like Denver could do it. I mean, can you put, play Jokic? And Anthony Davis together, sure. I mean, it'd be a little bit of a twin towers because Jokic and 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 Davis can both play uh, uh, outside. They're they're both capable of uh, being on the perimeter. Jokic is like a point center, and Anthony Davis, we know what he can do outside. So, I mean, somebody like that could could really step up. But you know, it's real interesting because I think the Pelicans. What's also smart is, you know, you're you're getting this offer of all these guys from the Lakers, and 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 the you know maybe you, you'll get some. Uh, offer from all these assets from Boston, maybe their current players. Well, they're probably saying, "Well, let's see what these guys do the rest of the year. We might, I might get to see what a Kyle Kuzma or Alonzo Ball or you know a, a Brandon Ingram can do in a playoff situation. Let me see. Do they do they just fall down and suck, or do they you know? And the Lakers, you know, they they got some issues because none of the free agents that are this offseason look like they're at all interested actually in coming there. So uh, it's going to be, and you you know. With every second that ticks off the clock for LeBron James, we're getting closer the closer, where to the point where he might jump the shark, and we might start seeing a gradual downhill uh, decline with him, or we might see one of those ones where somebody just drops off suddenly, and and or injuries start to happen all the time, like we saw with his groin injury this year and missing you know 17 games. It was a 17 games, something like that this year, right?
2: Yeah, no, he missed uh yeah, seventeen, eighteen games. Sure, you're right about that. I, I do think that the Lakers I mean I think that you're right that everybody was pinching, oh, Kawhi Leonard's gonna go there like, oh, you know, automatically, you know, Anthony Davis can be traded there this offseason. No, that might not happen. And they this is the NBA thinks, crazy things do happen. But I have no doubt with Magic Johnson at the helm of the Lakers, his commitment to winning, and uh, you know, just the way that he was able to get LeBron to come to Los Angeles, there'll be some free agent. I don't know who it is right now, but some superstar, they'll at least be paired up with him for next season. And whether they can add to that, you know, with their young core, you know, continue to develop that or, you know, go out and get another one, you know, but they'll, they'll be bringing in people to help LeBron just might not be automatically who we were assuming as first, second, third choices there. But, you know, Magic Johnson, uh, he, he has a history of, you know, pulling off and especially with sports organizations and, you know, securing deals, what he's done with the Los Angeles Dodgers. I I just never underestimate magic as a player or, uh, you know, the only thing where he has really failed has been with uh, his television talk show. So maybe as a head coach of the Lakers, those two things, but otherwise he's been like one of the, uh, you know, great, great, uh, not only players in the NBA, but also, you know, his work in business and what he's been able to accomplish. So I, I just think that, you know, what he, Having LeBron as a centerpiece, that's going to draw people to L.A.
1: Well, let's talk about the best team. I mean, I don't know what to say anymore because we've, we've said a lot of great stuff about him. But the best basketball team in Houston right now is the Houston Cougars. They beat the 25th-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats on Sunday. They held them scoreless the last six minutes of the game. Incredible defense. They moved to 23-1 and one on the season. It's now 32 straight home wins for the Cougars. They are now number nine nationally. RG and we were talking just a couple of weeks ago. Hey, they could maybe a four seed, three seed. We had the the guys on uh, from the Cougar podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they said, you know, like yeah, that's that's about right. But you know, they might be talking about a two seed. And they're, you know, you look at the the net rating, some of the more analytical college basketball ratings, they're even higher than number nine. Um, I don't know how much they're getting recognized nationally but i mean obviously the voters the polls they understand what they're doing and i mean the record speaks for itself 23 and one i mean I could you imagine this like
2: a couple of years ago with the cougars 23 and one it's been amazing and not only that they have like with the new uh the old hall finds pavilion has been made into the tillman fertita center you know so it's now like one of the big places to watch college basketball and they have just a a great home court environment there, and you know guys like Corey Davis and Galen Robinson. I mean, they have some really good players. Who, you know, they have, uh, you know, a, again a very a very talented backcourt. They have, like you said, a suffocating defense. Very good head coach at, at, with Kelvin Sampson. The question will be just like you know, of course, you know the tourney is oh, it's just it's so unpredictable. That's why people love it. You could have a, you could have a a, a tremendous season and be one and done. You know. Uh, remember when SMU was in the tourney and they had the great season, then boom, they're out. You know, I mean, it's just like stuff like that just happens in the NCAA tourney. It's why people love it. So the Cougars, I think, to really build upon this are going to have to have some kind of, you know, momentous run in the NCAA tourney, which they almost had last season. Remember, they lost to, a, you know, what eventually— was a Final Four team, you know, into Michigan, and at the last second. So I mean, they had last year at least, you know, to build upon, uh, go back this, this with you know renewed dedication and focus. And and Kelvin Sampson just, uh, what what can you say? He's just done a tremendous job as coach of the Cougars. And like you said, I never in wildest imagination dreams thought twenty, you know, twenty three and one to only have one loss this point in the season. It's incredible. Just got to keep these guys healthy, especially you know Corey Davis, Armani Brooks,
1: uh, even. Galen Robinson and just keep the keep some of the key guys healthy going into the tournament. I mean that's the big thing. And you know, RG, we didn't talk about this last week, but you know, just one of the really special events over the last couple of years in Houston. I want to give a little bit of props to a friend of mine, Patty Smith, who a lot of you guys know her from Fox Sports Southwest, but she's done a fabulous job moving over to the Houston Sports Authority and creating the Houston Sports Awards last year honoring the number 34s, the great 34s in Houston history, Earl Campbell, Akeem, Olajuwon, Nolan Ryan. This year, uh, Jackie Burke, the, the legendary golfer, 96 years old. I mean, they they mentioned uh, at the event, uh, one of the speakers said, hey, this is a guy, I think it was Roger Clemens actually, uh, said this, you know, this is somebody that's played golf with Babe Diedrichson Zaharias. He's played golf with Howard Hughes, shared a locker with Tiger Woods. They honored, you know, A.J. Foyt, who basically was synonymous was with the best race car driver of all the same way that LeBron is the best basketball player synonymous or Michael Jordan over the last 30 or 40 years. He was that and just a, a guy coming out of the Heights in Houston, George Foreman. I mean, everybody knows that story. Uh, Just, uh, you know, it was really cool always to hear George up there and speaking and, you know, talking about his George Foreman grill and stuff like that. But also, you know, just talking about fighting Muhammad Ali. And I mean, who else uh, around Houston can say something like that? The legendary Muhammad Ali. But the guy that uh, gave the speech of the night, RG, and I want you to hear it if you haven't. And we're going to get your reaction to it. But, you know... Dan Pastorini was honored. And, you know, Dan Pastorini, not the best quarterback of all time, of course, in Houston history. But Dan Pastorini, uh, just a really special leader. And just, uh, just what, a, what a great speaker, great life story. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, more about him later. But first, let's hear
0: his speech. First of all, I want to thank the Houston Sports Hall of Fame for selecting me. But I'm gonna accept this award, not for me, but for the Love You Blue players that are here in force tonight, the Love You Blue fans, the city of Houston and how you supported us through those times. I came here in 1971. We went four, nine and one, one in 13 and one in 13. I was kind of questioning my career choice and we were in the toughest division. The AFC Central was the toughest division with Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, us, and Cleveland. And those were four really tough teams, especially from the mid-70s on. The Steelers were always the team to beat. And in 1979, when we lost to them up there, that was a heartbreaker. You know, we, we thought we kind of got a bad call. Everybody saw the, the touchdown and everything else. Now, I don't know if we'd have won, but we'd have tied the score late in the third quarter, and I liked our chances because we had one hell of a defense. We had a defense that could match the Pittsburgh Steelers. As long as we didn't give them bad field position, we could take advantage and take our shots and possibly win that game. But when you had to play catch-up against the Pittsburgh Steelers steel curtain, forget it. The odds are against you. And I'll tell you, we saw that film there, and off, walking off the field, you saw me and Joe Green. And Joe Green's I love you like a brother. You're a warrior. We had great games against you and your team. We brought out the best of each other. I remember one year we played, and the next day, there were 23 guys on the injured list. (laughs) Bradshaw went out. Hanratty went out. Tony Dungy played quarterback. Tony Dungy actually intercepted a pass for a touchdown and threw a touchdown pass. John Hadle and I got hurt. Guido Merkins was playing quarterback and I think we lost the game 17 to 14 or something like that. But the next day there were 23 guys that were injured. I think I played in the greatest time with the greatest people of all time. I want to to congratulate Jackie Burke and A.J. Foyt and George Foreman. A.J. Foyt, man, I watched you when I was nine years old, watching you race in the Indy 500. You inspired me to get into racing. Jackie Burke, I remember in the early days, the Dallas Cowboys were the team in this town, and I complained to the golf association, said, why don't we ever get a chance as Oilers to play in the Houston Open down here? So finally I got invited, and Jackie Burke played with me that day, and we won the Pro-Am. George Foreman, you're the exact reason I never tried to climb into a ring. I thank you for this award. We had a good coach. We had a good coach that brought this city together and brought a team together that's like family. And these guys for the last nine years have come in for my tournament to support a charity and help raise over a million dollars doing that. I'm blessed to have them as friends. This award is us. It's not me. It's us. There's one person i got to thank who straightened my life out some 10 years ago. And uh, I had a problem. I didn't have a problem drinking. I just had a lot of problems when I drank. (laughs) So it'll be nine years this April 26th, but my girlfriend Pam (laughs) Morse gave me an ultimatum. But the biggest thing she did and helped me do was to get back and reunited with my daughter, Bronnie Marie. So, it's that Irish-Italian blood coming out in me right now. So, my mother would cry over a good steak, but I just, I, I just can't tell y'all what this means to me. And I love the city of Houston, and by the way, The House of Representatives, the Texas House of Representatives gave me a bill saying that I am an official Texan because I spent most of my adult life here. So I only go back to California to visit. So anyway, thank you all. God bless you all. Congratulations to my fellow recipients. I'm honored to be amongst you. Love you, Blue. I love you guys. You know that. God bless you all. It doesn't
1: get better than that, RG. I've heard it a couple of times. It still chokes me up. And, you know, the thing that uh, you didn't hear was Wade Phillips came, introduced Dan Pastorini. Uh, He said uh, that basically if the Rams had won the Super Bowl and there was a parade, a lot of people said, well, he wouldn't have been there. And he joked about it, but he said, you know what? I think I still would have been here instead of the parade. Uh, that tells you how much this team meant to so many people, but Wade Phillips has been around for 40 plus years and how much it, it, the team meant to him. And, you know, you've heard us talk about it, RG, me and you, but for the people out there listening, I, I know some people are like, Oh, not them, not the Oilers again, but it, it's just, it's one of those things. I can't explain it to you. I hope people understood from that speech, what was so special and the, and the tears and, and, and the, and the stuff that you heard from Dan Pastorini right there.
2: Yeah, I mean that's a good way to kind of sum it up. I mean uh, Dan Pastorini, Dano, I mean the quarterback for the Oilers all, the, all those uh, years. Uh, tough times in the '70s, and then kind of like under Bum Phillips, finally flourished there and everything. So glad to see him recognized, honored there, and to go along like you said with the other 34 that have previously been honored, including Earl Campbell. But you know, I always remember kind of like the the Earl. Uh, Campbell, love you, Blue Days, Dan Passerini, the quarterback, and what could have been the the uh, the, the near titles except for those uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. But uh, like you said, great, great kind of rivalry between the two teams.
1: Yeah, some of the names. I mean, I, Roger Clemens, A.J. Hinch, uh, Tillman Fertitta was there. They honored him. Another one of the real special moments, and I put it up on Twitter and I put it up on, on the Facebook, Houston Sports Talk Facebook page. Please follow. Please follow our Facebook and Twitter page if you can, but I put up the speech that J.J. Uh, Watt gave and they, they were honoring him for the humanitarian award for the second year in a row. And it was it was great because he was being, he was introduced by the, the kids from Santa Fe, uh, the stuff that they, they've done in Santa Fe, the, the high school kids that, that have gone through what they went through this past year. And then they pitched it to J.J. and J.J. gave a speech and said, you know what, I'm giving the award back to you guys. And then he pitched it back. Uh, to the girls. And you see these three girls from Santa Fe that have done what they've done in the community uh, to try to bring things back to Santa Fe. And it it was, RG, it was really amazing. I mean, you saw, you saw the emotion in their eyes and it, I mean, just, it said something about JJ. It said something about this community that Houston is. And it also said something about uh, these girls from Santa Fe. It was, it was a really magical moment. Like I said, Patty Smith, it's really cool. I mean, our, doesn't it, RG, seem like we should have been doing this for years? I mean, Houston has got an incredible sports history. I mean, that's there's no doubt
2: about that. Well, now that. they're going to have an Astros Hall of Fame, too. But by the way, to end it on a little bit, a lighter note, I mean, do you think they're ever going to have uh, acceptance of the Houston Hall of Fame with, uh, you know, Carmelo Anthony and Jason Jennings and Ed Reed? Do you think those guys will ever get in?
1: Oh, brother. Uh, that, that that one hurts. That one hurts. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hope not, but, you know, Carmelo Anthony, uh, uh, we got to give him some respect. I mean, that was a, just a really memorable few games that we got to see him play. But, hey, uh, we're, we're going to come back tomorrow with uh, Astros, some, some good conversation there. So hang with us for that. Uh, talk talk about some more Rockets this week. We, we might, have, I might have a guest in the next couple of weeks related to some of the stuff we were just talking about. So I'm, I'm excited if I can get that handled this week. I'm hoping to. Hoping to bring that to you guys, but we'll talk to you again really soon. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.